0: Do you struggle to find and recruit the right people into your small and medium business? Well, if so, you're not the only one and it's not because the talent isn't there, it's because you're relying on an outdated, crappy system. Today, we're gonna show you how to fix that so that you can thrive where other businesses are struggling. I'm joined by my friend and founder of ISL Talent, Alan Furley, he's an absolute whiz in the world of recruitment and talent planning and talent strategy and he's going to share with you the strategy that he implements into seed funded tech startups that you can basically just copy and implement into your small or medium business if you need people in your business you're not going to want to miss this one
1: 1 2
0: So the big question is this, how do people-driven business owners like us create businesses we're proud of, businesses that work for our employees, for our customers, and for us, businesses that can be profitable without straining or draining the owner? That's the question that we'll be answering on the Better Happy podcast. So today we're joined by Alan Furley, a good friend of mine and a very wise man in the world of talent and recruitment. Uh, I'm really delighted to have you here, Alan.
1: Thank you for joining us. Yeah, really good to be here, Mike. Wise is a new term, but I'll, uh, I'll happily take it. And I was uh, I was thinking about this chat this morning, and I know you're massive on purpose and culture. and You know, I think that's been important for a while, but it feels that 2024 is a really key time for people who are running purpose-driven businesses and recognize the importance when it comes to recruiting and retaining. I think it's going to be a real asset for those people this year. So really yeah. glad to be able to share some of my perspective today yeah thank you Alan and and
0: Alan and I were sat in the wave in Bristol which is a a little artificial surfing lake which makes us sound way cooler than we are by the way uh, a few months ago last year and we were talking about talent and Alan was sharing with me his insights and wisdom on how to go about recruiting and how to really thrive in recruiting and building talent um, teams in in the new world and what you just rinsed off to me was this kind of five-part strategy which to you just seemed like obvious but to me it was mind-blowing and and your level of knowledge and insights around it really blew my mind but also for somebody that's not particularly knowledgeable in that area I came away from that chat which is probably less than an hour with this like insane amount of clarity on why people struggle to recruit and how to go about it better so I just know that this podcast today which we, in which we're going to go through these um these five pillars is going to be insanely valuable to anybody who's got a business always thinking about starting a business but especially when it's got a business and they maybe see recruitment as a struggle and getting the right team in place as a struggle i know they're going to come away from this with a completely new way of looking at it and a, cre- a complete new belief system in how non-difficult it needs to be
1: yeah indeed i think uh yeah probably better to be doing it in the warmth of my home's day whereas the the wave might be slightly chillier but uh, definitely happy to recall some of that conversation and, uh, and give an updated perspective so brilliant so just before we jump into um
0: the five parts of the strategy and, and and we present that to to the to the audience and, and talk them through it there goes my dog so we know it's authentic because i've got dogs barking in the background how did you get into recruitment what kind of businesses do you work with i know you've been doing it for over 15 years now so just give us a little background on how you found your way
1: to where you are and why you and why you love doing what you do Yeah, I think um, like many people, it wasn't necessarily something I sat them on a careers advisor and said, recruitment's my number one choice. But the appeal for me was I wanted something with a sales aspect, something where I could go out there and win business. But also compared to some of the things I've done before, selling advertising and magazines, it's very transactional. And the appeal for recruitment from both the candidate and the client side of things was the chance to build ongoing relationships. So I've, I've worked in recruitment pretty much my whole career over 20 years now and then run my own business. Along with my co-founder Henry for the last fifteen of those, and so I think I've I've learned a lot. We've you know, we've recruited for businesses in the public sector, the NHS, big businesses like Tesco, but the focus the last few years has been much more on those startups, the SMEs, often tech-driven businesses, maybe with venture funding that are looking to scale and need people to maximise their impact and their potential, and that's where we really enjoy working with yep. founders who have got a great idea or are solving a really much needed problem, particularly in areas like climate and health, which is where we're doing a lot currently. Um, and I know they can't do it all alone, but perhaps struggle sometimes with some of the tactics or some of the perspectives on how to bring the right talent into their business. And then of course, how to retain that talent. And um, my thoughts have definitely evolved on, the recruitment industry has got a, you know, a mixed reputation and I, and I get that, I think it's deserved in many ways. But I've also seen that um, there's a lot of value that can be given, which isn't simply sending a CV, an invoice, and then moving on. So both from a providing services to loads of different companies, but also building my own business, making yeah. some good decisions on hiring, making some bad decisions on hiring. Then <laughs> learn from a founder's perspective that there's no magic wand. So there's definitely some things that I'll share over the course of today that can really move the dial on bringing great people in keeping them and maximizing their potential but also i've i've lived through a lot of what i'll talk about today myself so i know it's not there's not always a textbook and maybe it's more art than science but hopefully there's some guide rails i can
0: give yeah and that's what i love about talking to you about this stuff like firstly you've got this holistic long-term approach to it you're not like the kind of sleazy um, recruiter that's just like you know give us loads of money get the person and then disappear you're very holistic and you're thinking about the business as well as the the people within the business and the people that you're recruiting but also i know you do a lot of work now with um tech startups which seems to be an obvious place for a recruitment business to focus but also you are a small business owner yourself so you've got like these this 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 multi-kind of faceted um approach of the recruitment process and talent and people and business and and the whole kind of landscape so i I know that a lot of our listeners aren't going to be tech, you know, seed funded tech startups, but I know that the strategies and principles that you utilize and that you share will work pretty much universally across, across um, any business.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, getting those first 10 hires right is massively important because in effect, whether you're going to do it all in two years, because you've got funding or whether it's a much more gradual plan, those first 10 hires, influence really strongly your next 10 you know or your next 100 maybe as well so you know i think that um a lot of the time i see people approaching recruitment and you know waking up one morning thinking i need somebody and then jumping straight into finding them i think there's a lot of value in um not planning everything to the nth degree but really thinking through your talent strategy and yeah. um, taking some advice from people around you you know maybe even working with a talent partner to have that longer term plan but also give you the chance to get some short term wins for sure and if you're a smaller business or, a,
0: or or a medium business that's maybe only got ten to thirty employees, and maybe you, let's say we're a business we've got ten employees and we're like, all of these just aren't right. What what's your thoughts on that? If you've kind of got like forty percent of your talent that you kind of like, look, this is the, they're just not in the right place. What, what how can you go about that?
1: for a purge (laughs) I think um, I, I think of course the answer to it depends you know but I think that you talk to a lot of people who run businesses and have been through that journey and they'll often reflect back and say very rarely will they say that we let someone go too soon so I'm not necessarily a fan of the fire fast but I think if you've been really clear on what you're looking for and you've got robust hiring place a process in place and that person isn't delivering on what you need, the first thing you should do is have a conversation, which shouldn't be a you're fired conversation, but should be a conversation around where expectations aren't quite being met. Yeah. But in reality, and it does depend on what the issues are, if you're seeing the behaviours and the attitude you're looking for, hopefully you can develop the skills and give them the experience but if they're falling short on the values and behaviors, you know, if culturally there's not that alignment there, then yeah, yeah. more often than not than taking action and, and, and dealing with the consequences of not having somebody rather than and having the person. And you and, and
0: you and I both, both are on the very much on the same page with this, but I, I know a lot of business owners will be listening to that and they go, I, we're not clear on what our, our values and behaviors are, you know, and, and that's big businesses and small businesses. So I work with lots of smaller mediums, but I do some work with big corporates as well and, Lots of businesses don't have their their shit together with this, and um i what I think's important to for business owners to know is that this you know your recruitment and your strategy and your people is part of a process so you you've gotta you've gotta have a strategy for that, and Alan's gonna share with us today a really solid strategy, but then what we also need for that strategy to work is a strategy around our culture and our behaviours and and all of that stuff as well, so often we're kind of gonna be having to do both of those things at the same time and it's normally an iterative ongoing process so don't don't sweat if you haven't got all that stuff in place um but do understand that obviously this slots in alongside being clear on what the future you want to achieve is having a strategy being clear on what your culture is otherwise it's very difficult to actually recruit the right people right until you've been been clear on what actually success looks like and what the right culture is so um when we were when we were chatting uh you you listed off some really good insights to me and i was like that's just and, and they, they stood out clearly to me as five pillars so uh, what we'll do now is try and we'll spend about 10 minutes on each pillar but before we do that should we introduce the listeners to what those five pillars are so I'll kind i put you on the um put you on the spot alan and get you to give us just a quick kind of like broad level overview of um what those five pillars are
1: yeah, I think they, they cover everything from, you know, how you would actually tell your story through to how you assess what good looks like, and then hopefully help you your attention. So when we work with clients, then we've, we've reflected back on where we're helping them and put it into an aptly named talent methodology. So that covers everything from, you know, that each of the letters represents a pillar of value that we're working with. And the flip side of that is it's an area a company needs to focus on to get their hiring right, or to get their people strategy right, whether they work with ISL talent or whether they do it themselves. Um, so the, the first of those is to, to make sure you've got a talent strategy. So that's the T, okay. yep. the, the A is all about attracting the talent. Um, and that's very much on the storytelling and recognizing that a big part of recruitment is really a, a marketing game to play. Yep. The, the L is is locating, you know. So it's all very well having a story, but how do you how do you reach those people and 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 make sure you're not being one dimensional, particularly around adverts, which is something that I definitely touch on as one of my first points. Yeah. Um, the, the E is evaluating, and so it's all well and good having a great story attracting the people, but if you don't know what you're looking for, then it's going to be a real struggle to to get that right through the interview and the assessment process. Yeah. Um, and and let's assume you've got all that right and you've brilliantly attracted and assessed, then the worst thing you want to do is is mess up and not have the right attention after that. So the the N of talent is all about nurturing talent and and making sure that whether it's either pre-boarding, onboarding, or those crucial first three and six months, that you're setting people up for success. Yep. And then Finally, the the T is all about that team retention. So you bring the individuals in, but unless you're bringing them to an environment with an inclusive culture where the the sum of the parts is greater than the individual, then it doesn't matter how good you are at recruitment. Clearly, if you're losing at the retention game, then you're going to be fighting a never-ending battle. So yeah. um, it's hopefully it simplifies it even if i know it's not easy but to make sure you've got that start to finish you know perspective on how you look after your people then um that's why i've seen people really change the game and and get so much value from the people they're bringing in
0: yeah and the so that's about talent uh, which yeah. is nice i've never realized that before uh, and the like the things that we were talking about in the, in the wave. So um, there were some really key principles that that really resonated with me. So there was um, not just relying on job adverts and you, and you use an analogy that, you know, if you're, if you're just relying on a job advert to recruit people, if that's your only, if that's your only process, you're, you're appealing to about 10% of your potential market. I think you talked about fish. I think you said, you know, if there's 100% fish, a hundred percent fish, that are great employee, potential employees by just relying on job ads. Um, you're probably attracting about ten percent of that. And something else you said was actually probably your best future employees and future hires probably aren't even sifting through job job adverts, right? They're 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 looking for other stuff. They're looking for an ongoing marketing campaign. So he talks about that. Well, that does that fit within the strategy somewhere?
1: Yeah, that definitely right. you know comes into how you probably attract and locate people. So you know a lot of the time if people will. Um, ask me for help you know reach out to me on linkedin or they've been referred by a chair or an investor or someone else we've worked with then quite commonly their starting point is alan we've got this particular role we posted an advert and we've not got the results we're looking for so yeah. either they've, no people apply or very few people apply or they've got the wrong people applying and yeah. And of course, I talk to them and and try and work out the issue. But I I think that that point you've touched on there is often where um, the starting point is, is they're relying on adverts to hire the best people. And um, and don't get me wrong, you will hire some great people through adverts. So you should not not use them. But if it's 100% of your recruitment strategy, then you're going to fail. You know, you're, like you said, you're you're fishing in that pool of the people who who are on the market rather than setting yourself up to find the best person in the market, Yep. So, you know, depending on the type of what you're looking for, but you're right, you know, 10, 15% of people are active. So that means their behaviors reflect that. They'll be applying for adverts, they'll be subscribed to, indeed, searching actively on LinkedIn, looking yep. for opportunities. And if they see one, they'll apply. um Often they might apply to, you know, many more than they're suited for. And, you know, I think. It's easy to do a one-click apply now, whether that's always beneficial, I, you know, I sometimes doubt. So you'll find that you get a lot of noise, a lot of people coming into the top of your funnel, sifting through this is really challenging. And the the businesses we've worked with to not say let go of the job adverts, but to have it as one of their pillars rather than the only one, have seen real benefit by, by broadening that and, and having a plan to... Look at the passive talent in the market rather than just the active, which I'm definitely happy to give some ideas on. But that starting point of not assuming that an advert is going to capture everyone you want to see is is often the first step to broadening your talent pool and getting to the point where when you do see somebody, whether they've applied for an advert or come through a referral, that you have much more confidence. They're the best person because of that breadth and depth of options you've seen rather than feeling they're the only half credible option for you
0: okay okay cool so um i think that's a really important thing for all business owners to hear because i think you know it's not some nobody gives you the handbook of how to attract onboard, and retain talent right when you start a business so we tend to just do what the well-known thing is which is well let's put a job on indeed or or linkedin and if that doesn't work we're like well this is hard whereas the reality is it's like that's just such a small part of the strategy um and obviously that's what you push to because that's that's the thing that's advertised to you but there's a much broader way to go about it, which is going to make the whole process more enjoyable and bring in a, bring in a better, taller people. So, so let's start with talent uh, strategy then. So what, what do we mean by that? So I, I think there's a, I think there's a, an issue with small and medium businesses that they business owners, that they'll hear things like this, like talent strategy. And they go, well, we don't need that. We're, we're, we're small. You know, that's the, it's only tech funded startups, you know, with 3 million that have been pumped in that need that. What's your thoughts on it? What does a small and medium business owner
1: need to know that
0: or that, that would also
1: benefit a tech startup? I think, um, yeah, if I think about the tangible stuff that comes from us working with companies on talent strategy, then one of the, the key starting points that I think every business should have is some sort of organizational chart. So it doesn't need to be overly formalized or detailed. You know it might be almost a, a back of a fag packet type thing but simply something that looks at the key areas of the business and, and whether that business is going to be relatively static over the next 18 months or whether it's going to go through some significant scaling but having the functions having the roles i think can um, provide value in a few different ways so partly just the benefit of getting your thoughts down the paper and if it's you co-founders other business partners and key stakeholders then having something that you can all throw in your two cents with and you can get different perspectives so you know for example why do we have a separate head of sales and head of marketing because we've talked about wanting a joined up sales and marketing strategy so should we have one person with accountability for both those divisions so they so, can- so, lot- so 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 how would you summarize talent
0: strategy like what how What's the broad, top-level concept of it?
1: So I think for me, it's all about defining what you need. Okay. It's yeah. Before you, before you, you know, so if I'm thinking there's going to be two or three roles I'm recruiting for, then the thing I definitely wouldn't advise doing is if I'm looking for a sales manager, head of marketing, and a software developer, the wrong tactic in my experience is to Google job specs or, you know, <laughs> rehash what I had from a couple of years ago, put them into an advert, and fingers crossed, I'll get there. You know, the and, strategy step is sitting down with whoever's relevant within the business and maybe yeah. a wide network and thinking through what are you are looking for? Why is that person gonna provide value to the business? You know, what's the urgency around it? You know, throwing some numbers on there, maybe to help with the financial planning, looking at lead times, but using that org chart as a starting point for the conversation, so that you might not jump straight into hiring that day but even if it takes a week or a month to work through that then you're much better equipped to move quickly when you get into the hiring process
0: so if you've got a founder of a business and they've um they've got some money behind them or that, whether they're an established small and medium business or a tech startup I, I suppose doesn't really matter you know but they've 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 got either a proven concept or some money behind them but they've got no talent strategy and what how would you how how would you start with them how would you go right okay let's go from zero to one like you've got no idea you know you need people to grow your business but you haven't got a clue really what what's the kind of like rudimentary steps that you go through with them to get them from nothing to something
1: i think that's um the reality is that most of the time, even if someone feels they don't have a clue, they they do definitely have some clear ideas on what good looks like for the organization. But maybe it's not written down or maybe it's not been validated in a way that it's meaningful. So, yeah, we talked a little bit about culture and values earlier on. And that's something we we'll often see that maybe on day one, a business puts some values down or maybe they're on the wall. And maybe they do mean something, maybe they don't, but they're not linked up to the rest of the business. So one of the first things might be to talk about culture and values with the business owner, the founder, and talk to them about what that looks like in reality, and, and just make sure there is that connection between the two. But then also talk to them about their best employees they've hired so far, or their idea of what a good employee looks like, and often over and above the technical or the hard skills, People will come back to the soft skills, the behaviours, the values, mm. and so sometimes it's as simple as making sure those are front and centre when people go out to hire, rather than focusing too much on the the technical language and forgetting the behaviours or obsessing over whether someone's used this
0: particular tool. And I think that's so- a new, that's a relatively new thing, right? In the in the grand scheme of things, because if we think back a hundred years, when we're more industrial era factory work, you know, most people were um doing repetitive manual labor and then the recruitment strategy i guess were and people were desperate for jobs as well which is something that we can't forget so in that in that environment it's like well what you do is you people are queuing for jobs because they don't want to be in poverty so what you do is you put out a list of the skills that you require as a business and people apply and it's and it works is you know although it's not nice it, it works right because we've got a starving market of potential employees and um and they'll, and they'll work for us so we don't need to worry about their values We don't need to worry about the cultural fit because also they're not customer facing whereas mm-hmm. today we're a much more service based industry uh things are much faster and much more innovative so we need people that can not only just do repetitive tasks in fact that's becoming less and less and now with ai that's you know becoming even less again we need people that are creative that can work together as a team that can be the face of our business that can come up with solutions so it's a very different um it's a it's a very different level of skills and attitudes that we require from our employees today I guess so and that and the and the recruitment strategy's got to got to adapt to that, and I think that's why it's becoming more and more of a focus you know from people like yourself, bearing in mind that ultimately your goal is to help people have the right talent in place so they can grow their business, but you're starting with
1: values and behaviors, yeah and i think that's often surprising for someone who's engaged with recruits before that that becomes part of our process rather than something that's that's left to the side um but you're right you know i've got a nine-year-old son and if i started to speculate on the job that he might end up doing once he comes out of education there's an argument to say it's futile because a lot of the jobs that we hire for now didn't really exist in terms of title or focus 10 15 20 years ago yeah I think Every business owner, the one thing that is consistent across all businesses is they need an adaptive and flexible workforce. Yep. And if you obsess over those hard and technical skills, you're going to find the employees you bring on board aren't able to come with you on your journey as likely. You know They, they need to be a flexible, adaptive workforce, and that often comes down to things like critical thinking, problem solving. There's, and- there's a company Vendor. I
0: I do work with, and I won't I won't name them, but they're a large company large employer very large employer and um one of the departments i was i had one of their um senior managers on a course of mine senior leaders and he was telling me how they completely changed the way that they recruit into the role and they used to recruit on skills that's all they recruited on and they've completely switched that on their on its head this is last year this is in 2023 they completely flipped that on its head and now they're recruiting on behaviors and attitude and he said like we can teach people the skills we can teach people skills in three months to, to be really up to speed and he said it's just transformed. it. It's so much better. He said because before we were bringing in the skills, but we we're constantly dealing with people issues because and and grievances and arguments and lack of alignment. Whereas now that's been significantly reduced because they've got the right people in place, so they're holding on to people for longer, even though it's taken them a bit longer to train these
1: people up. Yeah, and I think there's there's lots of academic research that's as old as twenty or thirty years ago that shows that things like years of experience, education interests are really poor indicators of someone's future performance and if i think back to the first job specs i was given as a as a trainee recruiter those were always front and center it was to one degree from a red brick university 10 years experience in electronics engineering or software and you know of course you're not going to hire me still do electronics engineering so you you do need some relevant experience but obsessing how many years someone has versus potentially the skills but also the behaviors and the values you know getting too fixated on I think a lot of companies have realized now that someone's educational background doesn't really have the relevance per se and and, and often be part of our process where if someone came to me and said Alan I really need to recruit a graduate for this role I I wouldn't say don't recruit a graduate but I'll ask them why they say that and you'd end up getting to the point where You get to the bottom of what they're looking for, which may be someone who is a problem solver and can work independently on projects. And their assumption is that has to be a graduate, but there's probably many different routes that someone could come from to demonstrate those skills and those behaviours rather than being fixated on one particular route. And and that's obviously a massive benefit in terms of diversifying your talent pool and reaching people that others aren't looking for and being able to bring in a much broader team to your business rather than having too many people that all look and think the same and and find out it really damages your business
0: yeah yeah
1: so from from
0: from listening to you on that i've kind of summarized that into four blocks so you're kind of saying that on, on the strategy level and please correct me if you don't agree um you've got two things well you've got four things going on you've got you've got to have some kind of vision of where the company needs to be and what talent you need to bring in to, and obviously it's not it's not a, it's not an exact art but it's you need to have some kind of vision of where you need to be and who you need to recruit for that then you need to have some clarity around what your culture needs to be and within that comes your values and your behaviors and then below that we need to think about a combination of the hard and the soft skills that we need to actually grow the business because the reality is like as we just talked about like we we need the right people and the right behaviors but we do need hard skills as well like if i need if i want to start a house building business i need people that can lay bricks or that have got the attitudes where they can learn those skills quickly and it might be that sometimes we need to recruit somebody with the with the skills right now so we need to find those people that have got skills and alignment as well
1: yeah i think that covers it pretty well you know and a lot of that comes into the org chart and the job descriptions those are two key areas that we work with when we're doing the the talent planning i think the other two areas then the, the money obviously is important you know not that everybody's going to take a job for money but doing some sort of benchmarking making sure that you've understood the resources you've got but then also where the market is and and then the fourth thing that we tend to do as part of that talent planning is um like a health check or a diagnostic so um the example of someone who's you know really wants to get better at recruitment but has got a retention issue there's no point really jumping into hiring those people until you've some attention to that. So, although there might be a real pressing need to hire, maybe it's your retention issue you should fix first of all. So, we we'll work with the company, talk to the people in the business, maybe review some of their materials and some of their tactics at the moment and and play back to them via that diagnostic. Um, a quick sense check on what they're doing well, because there definitely will be some things they haven't realized they're doing well around the talent strategy and then where they maybe need to work. And that will then help to float into where we might focus over the rest, rest of the methodology.
0: Yeah, nice. So it's kind of like culture, clarity and then compliance to your culture and your clarity. The 3 Cs. You can have that Alan. Keep that.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's straight in there.
0: Okay, so um so part part of our we're thinking about getting new people into the business um and we we're, we're talking to an expert yourself and we're like okay, well that's great and and we want to do that but we need to be clear on what we want from those people. Um what do we what fits within the company, where's the company going? So the next stage then we've got some clarity on that is actually attracting those people. So how how
1: how do we go about that and what's the mistake that most businesses make? So I, mean, I think I've talked about the reliance and adverts. Um, yep. So not to not to go over that again, but in terms of then um another point around that. So most people's process will be write a job description. Yep. Then um use that as an advert. And I, I think that's a, a really common mistake that I see. So a, a job description, it can look differently, but typically it's it's quite functional. Maybe it's got a more of a HR vibe on it. It's got roles and responsibilities, performance measures, et cetera. So it's an essential part of what you need to define what you're looking for. It's often a really bad way to advertise what you're offering. Yeah,
0: I remember so- you saying at the wave and it really resonated with me that, you know, imagine that you're, what looking for a job and 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 what you read is this job description and, and actually all you're reading is what we want from you what we expect from you and it's very much us 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 and yeah it's it's almost obvious when you put it like that that that's, that's probably not the best way to attract the right people
1: yeah there's a few different aspects to that I think yeah the first is um uh, someone talked to me about maybe there's a comparison between if uh, so Mike let's assume I'm a, a famous Hollywood director I'm trying to get you to see my next blockbuster film if I send you the movie script 400 pages that gives you all the detail that's within the film you're never going to read it or if you do maybe you get excited but it's it's not going to bring it to life in the same way if I wanted you to bring all your friends and family along to my opening night what I probably need to send you is the trailer and the trailer is the the 90 second summary of the two hour film and so bringing it back to Hiring rather than fantasizing about you and me being in Hollywood, then people use the movie script, the job description, whereas what they should be doing is taking and creating a trailer, an advert, which is going to be shorter, is going to be much more from the viewer's perspective, or in this case here, the job buyer's perspective. It's it's going to excite them. I think the, what is it, Aida from the marketing side of things, uh, uh, attention, interest, desire, action. Have a look at your advert, and the chances are, it will fail on at least one of those points and the clue is in the name it's an advert you know so it should sell and show off but also good advertising is all about the buyer not the seller so it's got to be with them in mind and i think that's the the point i mentioned to you the wave is that that's such a such selling, paradigm saying, shift
0: for uh, for somebody that's recruiting for a job and i think again like a lot of what we teach about happy is like there's established systems in businesses and they work. Okay. Now do they work? Well, probably not as, as the proof suggests to us. So, but most of these systems such as, okay, the, the recruiting system, it used to work, putting an advert out. There's a reason that we do it. Right. And that's because hundred years ago, 50 years ago, when the economy wasn't as good as it is now, and there weren't as many jobs, people were desperate for work. And when people are desperate for work, put an ad out there and tell them what you want from them. And they will, you will have no shortage of people applying for it because people are desperate for work. In 2021, the BBC released for the first time since records began, there were more unemployed people than job vacancies. Is that right? No, there were more job vacancies than unemployed people. So for the first time ever since records began, it's like job vacancies are uh, 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 higher than unemployed people. So I know people don't tend to think this because we've got challenges as we've always got, you know, we've got talk about recessions and all of this stuff but the reality is is technology so far and i know that i'm sure ai is changing our thinking around this and maybe creating some new concerns for people but technologies have created more jobs is the truth is the reality of it so we're not in this environment anymore where people are starving for any work and what the the whole reason i've been in that little um little discussion there is to highlight that the system of just putting a job advert out did used to work. And that's why it's widely accepted, but it does, it's not fit for purpose anymore. So what you just said really interests me because I think that would work with any business I work with. They're like, right, we want to attract, we want to attract better people to the business. It's going to help us grow. We've got a good thing. I'm like, okay. And how are you going about that? And nine, well, nine times out of 10, it's either somebody's referred in, which is great. Yeah. Or we've put an advert on Indeed. And the advert is the job description. And I'm like, well, there's just an absolute golden nugget of information that Alan's got for you, which is why would you do that? <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. Why don't you put out a little trailer? And you're like, what? And then start posting
1: that in places and see what happens then. And I think that um, I saw some research towards the end of last year, and I think it's been a trend that's been there for a while, but it was talking about the number of jobs that are secured through adverts. And it was less than 50%, you know, wow. so different data suggests it might be between 20 and 45%. So the majority of people aren't getting jobs through adverts. So, of course, the flip side of that is that if you're relying on adverts, then you're missing out on a lot of routes to market. And yeah. we ran a campaign for a chief operations officer um, towards the end of last year. And we ended up with, I mean, something like four or 500 responses to the advert. Um, but of the seven people that we got to first interview stage as part of our shortlist, <clears throat> then maybe three of them perhaps four of them were already known to us in some way or we'd reached out to them in other ways we'd come and kind of approach them with a story around what the offering was that was very different than the advert and so just using that as a you know anecdotally you can see that a lot of the people that are getting these jobs or getting shortlisted aren't going to have come through that one-dimensional route of an advert on Indeed. There's there's so many other ways you can like mention referrals, working with recruiters, whatever it may be, that you need to be much more holistic in terms of what you're looking for. Um, but no matter how many channels you're using, if your storytelling isn't strong, and if you're not showing off the best things about your business, and particularly for those small business owners, those SMEs, we, we don't have the luxury of the Google or the Apple logo behind us that means we're getting hundreds of applications a year so you do need to work hard to put your story out there but you also need to make sure it's your story rather than someone else's and that's why recycling job specs or just being bland and boring in your approach versus what is it that makes your business special is um, definitely the route you need to go down if you want to attract the best people.
0: Yeah, I think that's so insightful, and and also what so so what you said there as well. I think the, the golden nuggets there are like, okay, ads do work, but they're certainly not the the be all and end all. Uh, and actually, in a lot of roles that you've recruited for, it's a it's a small percentage of the actual placement. Um, it think, thinking about actually a, appealing to the employee, not just telling them what you want from them, is a massive thing because most businesses have got a lot to offer right outside of just pay. So why not share these things about your, about what makes you unique. And it makes me think of a book that I read not long ago by an American guy called Tommy Mello. He owns a one garage doors. You should, you should have a read of his stuff. It's great. Um, but he basically, I mean, a one garage doors is, I think they're a hundred million pound a year or dollars per year turnover now. So they're huge. And he's got like his five part strategy that the, the elevate strategy and one of the things that he talks about in there is attracting great people. And he's, he talks about how he's got these billboards up and all these signs in the car. And he's like, the billboards aren't to bring in new customers. He's like, it's to make people want to work for us because we need to like be constantly appealing to great people. And then he talks about how he's always thinking win, win, which is something I like to say as well and think about. So he wants to show anybody that comes into his company or potentially comes into his company. Like if you're willing to work hard and your talent and, and and apply yourself this is how you can grow. This is what you can reach. This is the amount of money you can make. And um, it was a really refreshing way of looking at it. And he doesn't have any issues with recruitment.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think like whatever it is you're, you're selling in business, you know, product or service, something that's tech focused or traditional, then a lot of people have gone through that journey when they know it's not all about the sales. You need to have a clear marketing strategy to maximize your sales. Um yep. Where we haven't caught up with that, I think, is on the recruitment side of things, where, in effect, the, the sale strategy is posting the advert and hoping you capture the buyer's attention right there and then. Someone's looking for a job today and they're going to be your best hire and maybe on one day they will be, but not consistently, versus having that marketing mindset to recruitment, taking a longer-term approach, you know, as the person you mentioned there did, so that you have much more confidence that whether it's one person in the next 12 months or 12 people in the next 12 months, you've got the foundations and the building blocks to be able to attract and tell your story and reach everybody in the market rather than be really limited.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so if we're just doing this as like minimum viable product, we thought about what our values are. Um, we thought about what skills we need, hard and soft. And we thought about where we want to take the company over the next 10, three and one years. So we've got and a, a built a rough kind of um, org chart around that. So we've got a rough idea of who we want. Now we've also gone away from just promoting our um, job descriptions to actually creating a little 90 second 60 second trailer about our company and that would make people want to work for us and why it's great to work for us so that's the talent and the attracting piece covered so locating is the next piece in your in your framework and in your focus so i've done all that i've kind of got an idea of who i want and who i need i've got an idea about my values we've created this little trailer as well as the job descriptions but we've created this kind of like trailer that i know would attract and appeal to our ideal people so the next piece is located so so how do i what what do we need to do there
1: i think that's it's about thinking all different routes that people could come to you from and that mixture of reactive and proactive or inbound and outbound so set the things up so that if people stumble across you you've got the careers page you've got the advert that can attract their attention but also have a plan to be more proactive particularly if you're looking to hire in areas where you don't have the network or you don't have the strong connections. So um, I remember hearing a founder talk at an event a few years ago and they were, his business was some really cool tech and the engineers in the room were clearly interested and excited by what he was doing within a mix of AI and, and hardware. But He was also bemoaning the fact that he couldn't hire good people. And I jumped onto their website while he was talking and there was all of their website was about their customer and there was nothing about their team. And I knew he had a great team of 12 people and wanted to add another 12 people to that. But if I was one of those engineers sat in that room, there was nothing that was a hook there, apart from if I was lucky enough to have seen him speak that day. So the basics of a, a career site and something that showcases your team rather than stock images. And if that's only you or you and a significant other, that's still valid to talk about that and talk a bit about your personal perspective and why you founded the business or you know and
0: and and why you were excited by it so so we've got so so we've got because i just thought then as you were saying that exactly as you would like i've met you i want potentially want to work for you i've heard something about your company first thing i do is go to your website and then there's nothing there and it's like okay well that's that thought process gone so the first piece is make it easy i I suppose it's almost not locating but just making a, a funnel as such a framework for people to be able to actually come to you when they're interested
1: yeah, it's having that kind of that digital presence, that digital footprint. So I think the same as I might, you know, buy my next water bottle of Amazon, the first thing I do is to jump on, look at pictures, get a feel for it, look at reviews. So yeah. whether it's Glassdoor or your career site, but bring to life what it is about your team and your people so that you don't rely on sitting down with somebody in an interview to tell that story because the chances are you'll never get the chance. Yeah. and um, I think the the other thing around, you know, locating talent is is really leveraging your network. So I see some people do this really well. Some founders will do investor updates or on their mailing list, talk about all the roles they're hiring now, in the future. Some founders will keep in quiet entirely apart from that advert on Indeed or LinkedIn that they're hiring. Yeah. And the difference between the two is massive to be able to, you know, reach 50, 100 people that will have those connections and you then widen that circle. So I think it's it's using your network. But the other part of locating is then And maybe this is where it's the longer term play that's important and not urgent, to often gets overlooked. But it's that proactive outreach, and and making sure you're you're putting the foundations in now, so that you can build that muscle for hiring the best people in the future. So that might be, um, you know, if I know I've got an ongoing need for junior salespeople, then maybe I go and do some talks at my local university on their business studies degree because I want to get our name out there. And when they come to thinking about applying for a job, have that name recognition that, you know, that puts me not necessarily on a pedestal with a big corporate, but at least give me a chance of attracting their attention. If I'm really looking to improve the gender diversity of my team and I'm running a cyber security business, maybe I engage with some networks, you know, women in cyber, that will help me proactively reach those people that I'm looking to hire rather than that posting advert sitting back and, and assuming that it's going to find me the best people nice. So I think it's sort of inbound and outbound and, and thinking intentionally about I need to hire people in this circle my network is over here so how do I move the two together by going to conferences or events getting PR and a magazine that's relevant or a publication so that I'm more likely to probably get to the point where i've hired somebody and say wasn't it lucky that mike saw what we were doing here but you've created that serendipitous moment by doing 10 things to get lucky rather than relying on on one tactic
0: yeah i love that i think i think we're always hoping for this kind of oh here's this magic tool that'll do that for you or here's this little hack um but the reality is is it's just it's just let's do the basics well and and what you've kind of summarized there i think is is great right so it's it's make sure that people have the opportunity when they've met you to go to your website and actually express an interest in work and people find out more about you so that's just an easy win but then the second one which i which which i really loved what you said there was this you whether it's the owner or somebody in a somebody that's specifically in a role for this but i think a lot of owners especially of small and medium businesses would actually really love to do this um and that is think about the talent that you need and the kind of people that you need and go out there and network and be at events and put yourself out there and do talks and help you so so that you're in people's minds. So it's just network yourself to meet future talent. And there's a, there's a particular company I'm thinking of, which is a really cool cleaning company. And they are, they're really, they're really great place to work. It's, It's when I was sat talking to them, I was like, you're not promoting the, how good it is to work here. Right. So you don't have to have any qualifications and you don't need to have, um, any experience in this industry, and you can come in to this environment. We're going to train you in how to do all of these skills. We're also going to train you in in sales and marketing, and all these other things. And you can earn, I think, with commission within their first six months, they can be earning or on target to earn upwards of thirty grand a year with no skills. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. And and they think it's they think they've got it in their mind that it's a challenge to recruit. I'm like, you're just not promoting. The value that you provide so then i think well the owner of that business could be going to the local technology college or the local school and you know the, the reality is and this isn't an insult a lot of people aren't academic and they've got no interest in academia and then they think because i know that i know the stigma when i was at school was if you don't go to university you're a failure and i think i think we've moved away from that now um but i had no interest in going to university and and, and i wasn't very confident when i came out of school and i remember thinking I'm going to be limited in my career opportunities because I haven't been to university. And if I'd have met somebody like, like this person, they come along and said, you know, there are really good careers that you can do that hands on outside of, uh, academia. Um, he would have certainly been in my mind and that would have been a no brainer for me to go to and I'd have been a bloody good employee. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it it starts to open my mind to think about, you know, think proactively be out there, be, be putting the name of your, of your business out there to your, Potential um, um, future employees, so that you've got an inward bound pool and you're not just relying on ads. And I also think with that, I'm sorry, I'm going on a bit here. I've been thinking about this as you've been talking about this whole strategy. The quality of people that you're going to attract for doing it this way is going to be so much better than the reactive job ad because you get what the people that are applying to you when they're going through this process that you're talking about, this whole proactive strategy, they're going to be self filtered to an extent because they've met you or they've they've heard about you they've researched the company they know what you're about so they're going to be aligned whereas a job advert you're going to get people that are desperately in need of a job or they just want to get out of the job they're currently in so they're going to come to you with some reactive reasons which means you're going to have a much higher risk of having people that actually have no interest in the company or the values but they just need a job
1: Yeah, and just to tell a quick story on that point, like I mentioned, then, you know, we work with a lot of businesses and I've learned through providing recruitment services to them, but I've also learned through doing these things or not doing things myself. Um, So, last summertime, there's a, a tech leadership summit that was hosted in Taunton, so run by Tech Southwest. So, it's part of my community. You know, I'm very active in the Southwest tech circuit. So, I applied and was successful to speak on one of their um, lightning talks on talent i was talking about the power of purpose in talent and Love um met some really interesting people that day um and one of the persons who was hosting the talent track was a lady called magda who was working for another recruiter at the time and she heard what i was talking about we chatted a little bit afterwards a week following that she got in touch with me because She was, the time was right for a change, and she'd really liked what we talked about, what she'd heard me speak about. She knew that we were active in the tech Southwest community. And from my perspective, I knew that she was buying, of course, you know, I pay her a good wage and I give her a good reward, but she was buying on so many other things that had come across from the conversations that day and from the follow-up ones we had. Now, I definitely didn't go to that event thinking that success looks like making a hire and didn't necessarily have the intention to hire somebody that month. But by being active and being out about, then it can make a massive impact on the ability to attract and, you know, and connect with the the great people out there that weren't necessarily applying for adverts. She definitely didn't do that. She, you know, she thought she needed a new job. Who do I want to work for? And, you know, an ISL talent was front of mind because of the talk I'd given the week before. So, you know, I can't guarantee it'll work, but I can definitely tell you stories of where it's worked for me and many others. Yeah, and I,
0: I've am i got it in my mind now that any of the businesses that I work with, if they're highlighting um, recruitment as an issue, I'm going to make it an objective for either the owner or the person that's in charge of that department to be doing a minimum amount of networking, but but targeted networking. So think about who you, where your ideal people are going to come from. Okay, go and do talks, go and meet people. You know, you need to do a minimum amount of that per month. And the amount of people you're going to meet and influence or people that you meet that know people because that's a big thing with networking as well like you just said with that example is well that person's going to know 10 people that could be an ideal fit for you and that and they're going to recommend you so yeah and i i do think there's a risk in any business regardless of size regardless of industry you know and you and i will be just as guilty of this as anybody else of just staying in it getting stuck doing the day-to-day and then everything feels like a everything feels harder than it needs to be so like recruitment it's like okay we need to get on indeed and we need to you know do all that boring stuff that doesn't even inspire you whereas you could pay somebody to do that for you get out there go and meet some people and you're probably going to find that that's going to work 10 times better and you're going to have way better people lined up to you but you need to do that as an ongoing thing as well and that's i know that's an overarching thing here it's like don't recruit Reactively, like you're always recruiting, right? You're always you're always planning for and trying to attract talent. The same as sales and marketing. You know, you don't yeah. if you just turn the ads on and when you need to keep the ship afloat, you're going to live in feast or famine. You should be always thinking about organic and paid and all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, Mega. I think you're you're right to challenge those business owners here. But the other thing I'd add to that is that um, recruitment is a team sport. So the amount of people I talk to who are running a business and say they're struggling to hire they've got 10 great people in their business and they haven't been proactive in talking to those 10 people about the roles they have and the roles they're planning, which will then unlock that person to say, well, I used to work with Mike and he's really good at this. Do you want to have a conversation? Um, or they weren't even as simple as asking them to post it on their LinkedIn feed and reach their networks. Mm. So I think there's there's some really you know, cheap or free ways that you can leverage that network. And, and often it starts with the team you've got, whether that's one of the, or a hundred and one others, and you know, and and people often overlook that where they go into that well, advertising mindset rather than you know networking and and building the yeah. story to people.
0: I used to, I used to own a gym. That was my first business, and I remember I did a few different mentor programs and and business accelerators, and I'm with other businesses. And I remember one of the first questions that the the mentors and coaches would always ask is, um, "Are you asking your members for referrals?" Mm. <laughs> and we'd all be like no (laughs) they're like why not (laughs) and then they say are you making it easy are you incentivizing your members to refer we'd all be like no and they'd be like why not and you and i don't know why we don't do it i I know well i know ultimately it comes down to you know that these british beliefs we have around not bothering people and it's wrong to ask but it's it's a load of rubbish right but um there's so much sat there there's a great book an old book called um the dream manager and um it's a fable about a cleaning company it's a made up but it's it's based on real world practices and they basically got 300% staff turnover every year so they lo- they completely recycle the whole workforce three times a year yeah. and um they're like we've got to fix this otherwise the business is just going to go under and uh they end up focusing really hard on actually looking after the employees and listening to what they want and addressing their actual issues and then helping them achieve their goals and then they end up by the end of the by the end of the book having a uh, a, a 300% waiting list of people that want to work for them you know they've got more than 300% of their staff waiting to work for them which is all coming from staff referrals it's the people that work there and even when people are leaving to go somewhere else because they've got to move away they're actively recruiting somebody into that role they're like, they've already got somebody lined up so this company's gone from constant famine with 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 with, with staff to like just having a waiting list of ideal candidates
1: yeah, which is uh, which is great. An important point to make on the referrals and, and perhaps moves us into the kind of the E, the evaluating candidate, yeah. the evaluating talent, is um you'll get some great hires from referrals and they're they're frequently cited as the the best route to get good people. Mm-hmm. Um but one thing to watch out for is losing that objectivity in yeah. making them higher. So because Mike has recommended sarah then i assume that she's going to be right for us whereas it may be that your context is i was working a big corporate and sarah was great whereas now we're in a small business where everybody's mucking in together and if i'm too assumptive around the referral demonstrating they're right for me and i don't become consistent whether someone's applied randomly that i didn't know whether they're a referral or even whether they're a previous employee you want to make sure you're objectively measuring what matters rather than jumping to conclusions or or going risking too much bias around where they worked before or who's referred them or where they went to school and then all too late you've you've made a bad judgment on what a good hire is
0: and i guess that comes back to the making sure that you use your talent strategy before don't you like and don't just you know just because just because a. a dune buggy wins a race on the on the desert doesn't mean it's going to be good on the road so it might be that this person's great over there in that company but we still need to check that they're going to be a good fit for for here
1: yeah that's it and, and, and linking back into you know values then um take something like hard work so at the start of that process we might have said we need people that have got a strong work ethic or work hard and if we haven't spent enough time defining on what that looks like and how we're going to measure it we get to the end of the process, and 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 I want to hire someone, but I'm looking for someone who works 14 hours a day because that's my definition of a strong work ethic. Yeah, you want someone who does yoga at nine o'clock in the morning and comes back fully focused, and and you know, and our colleague wants someone else who can simply do deep work without notifications pinging off for two hours every day, and what they do the rest of the day doesn't really matter. So yeah. you know, it's not to so say that we should all um, think the same, but we've got to have a conversation and agree what good looks like and drill yeah. down from hard work into the things you would actually see day to day so that we make the decision on hiring we're looking for the same thing we're aligned on what we're measuring and we don't have surprises in the costly period where you've made that hire and then figure out they don't work
0: yeah so it's kind of going like okay hard work everybody says that what does that actually mean to us is this person aligned to that what does this actually mean and the better you get at that the easier it's going to be to 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 filter and reduce mistakes nice so so on to evaluate then so we've got evaluate uh what's the end? nurturing we've got evaluate nurture and then team team retention so um we've, we've we've probably gone a bit over the 10 minutes in each one but that's okay so i think we've given away some um some gems there so let's have a look at evaluate so i'm just going to recap at each stage so talent strategy making sure we know who we want what we want and the kind of behaviors um attracting so making sure we've got a, a method to attract them which is stronger than just a job advert of what we want but actually actively making it an attractive place to work to our ideal people having a bit of a strategy to, to actually get in front of those people, which is a combination of networking, using your network, um, leveraging the people you've already got, but also making sure that you can use your website to 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 find jobs and getting yours get making sure you've got a presence on social media or wherever it needs to be. Um and then so now we're on to evaluate. So why why do we need to evaluate? What do we mean? So
1: I think that's partly the point part it's made around, you know, being consistent on what you're looking for, or agreeing yep. in that talent planning the yep. things you're then going to measure, and yeah, most obviously we see that an interview process. And um, I think it's also about um, you're I don't think you're going to have a perfect interview process, and yeah, maybe the advent of AI will will help us, maybe it will harm us in this. But I think often the challenge is, um, I've been guilty of this myself, you know, throwing brain teasers into an interview when that isn't consistent with what i'm looking for mm-hmm. you know asking someone to sing a song to me whereas if you ask me what my best hires are they're people who can learn and demonstrate commercial acumen and have you know really strong ambitions so um the, the evaluating for me is is going back to that start of the process hopefully you've defined what you're looking for and then making sure as well as possible that that hiring process that interview that assessment process reflects those things rather than is a little bit random so let me give you an example we hired some training recruiters a few years ago and we did all the things i'm talking about so that we had a massive pool of talent to talk about we had 500 applicants for four roles so we had some great people to choose from and we had some people that definitely we wouldn't have judged a great that we didn't want to spend a lot of time on now for the roles we're looking for coming in entry level in recruitment, it didn't really matter the experience you've got where you went to university, the job you'd done previously. The things that mattered to us were someone's communication skills, someone's ambition, and someone who could learn because we were gonna teach them the way that we went around recruitment. So the first thing we did as part of our process was send them a, uh, a bit of engaging content to excite them. So that first point I made around not just putting the barriers in front of them, but then ask them to fill in a short questionnaire to ask them questions around learning and ambition and what really motivated them. And the, the best thing about that process was that 75%, so maybe 360, 370 people, never bothered sending the questionnaire back. Yeah. Now, I'm sure we lost some good hires in that, some people that might have ended up going to work for other companies. But what it meant is the 120, 130 people that did, partly. They had demonstrated they were actually interested rather than just firing off 50 job adverts. And also the things we were looking at were much more meaningful to us. And 90% of the people that sent it back had something that was worthy enough. It was worth a conversation. So the next step was get back to them within four hours, ask them to call us the next day in the office to any one of the team and have a conversation with us and talk about why you're interested in recruitment and why do you think you'd be good at it? What do you think you'd find challenging? And that helped to demonstrate they knew something about the industry or that it gave us a chance to inform them it also tested their communication skills and that was one of the things we're looking for so that if someone wasn't able to hold a conversation we made the judgment that they probably weren't going to be our priority hires so all of those things come back to having an evaluation process that links into what we were looking for in that example or what you know you're looking for in this example so that you're you're measuring what matters rather than simply making a hire because someone supports liverpool and drinks red wine like i do and i risk all sorts of bias in assuming they're good for me but realize that they're they're not the right hire for isl
0: okay so so really what we're saying is is that what what you classes evaluate is essentially what typically people would just think of as the interview process yeah. and you're saying let's make it a bit more we're well, not a bit more a lot more aligned to that initial strategy so if we're clear on that initial strategy and and what we want from people in our company as a whole and what we want from people in this role in particular let's then put in a decent process that enables us to filter if people are in line with those things as opposed to just an kind of standard interview process
1: yeah, and it could be definitely right. It's, you know, a big bulk of that is the interview process, but it can even come before that. So, you know, I think the first CV was written by Leonardo da Vinci some 500 years ago, and mm-hmm. it probably looks much the same as it does now. Mm-hmm. So, it's probably about time to change, but we're kind of stuck with it for the meantime. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's probably much better if I'm hiring for a social media marketer to ask them as part of the application process before they even get the interview to write 50 words of copy for a landing page if yeah. I've given them some relevant information. Yeah. And and then evaluate that rather than ask them for a CV and assume because they work for Google or Microsoft, they're going to be a good hire for me. So it is definitely the interview process, but it, it is also more than that as well.
0: I interviewed Simon uh, Wallace-Smith, who's the owner of Fryer, uh, I always get it wrong. It's either Fryer Fritz or Fritz Fryer, lighting company in... Yeah. Um they're based over in t- towards hereford and they're, they're doing really well for themselves they're fantastic and they've got a great team and it's growing and they've got an amazing facility and they fit out lots of big businesses and they talked about a guy that they hired who they still works them now i think he's been with them for at least three years to do their social media and websites and he was a young lad and he had zero experience um zero like work history in his cv but what he did do is when he turned up for an interview as he'd mocked up how their website could look okay. and the kind of posts that they could make so he'd just shown that he was aligned to um what they needed and they hired him on the spot and he still works with them now and he's just i think he's just redone their new website and he's like super talented like he he's really transformative in the company so you could even put that in as a process right you could be like well if we want you to do our social media instead of just coming to a boring interview <laughs> Come, come on or send us three social media posts that you think they would be good for our business.
1: Yeah. And I think the other point I make on that is that you do need to strike that balance. I think some friction is good to create a barrier and a bit of a hurdle that people need to jump through. Yep. But if you have to apply a hurdle, you'll end up with no one there. So I've, you know, I've had some companies I've spoken to who want to bring in a, a six hour technical test for their software developers and, and front load that at the start of the process and, yeah. Of course, that in-demand software engineer, if they've got five opportunities, one that says six-hour test and the other four that says come out a chat and meets in the team and understand if it's right for you, yeah. it's pretty obvious which way they're going to go. So yeah. you'll have to figure out, is this a role where there's an abundance of talent or are we going to have to go and sort of hunt down the people or engage with a recruiter to, to help us find them? And what does that mean for which parts of the process we have friction versus engagement? And there should always be that blend of the two, but yeah. making sure you're not um, being too much in, in one extreme or the other. Cool.
0: Love it. Okay. Uh, and then we've got nurture and team retention. So talk us through those.
1: Yeah, let's sort of, you know, wrap them up together because, you know, a lot of it can can morph into one and the same. I, I think the the first point around the nurturing is that um, all too often I see people work on the basis that, well, when someone gets to probation, whether that's three or six months, then we'll start to think about keeping them and looking after them. And I I think that's a mistake. I think it it happens as soon as you've made that offer, even if there's another four or six weeks. So the companies that I see set the team up for success and start that nurturing before day one are the ones that invite people to a team lunch, two weeks before someone starts, so that when they come in on that first day or jump, you know, turn on their laptop, they already feel a bit part of the team. Maybe they invite them into the, the Slack channel or the company messaging you know, teams. Um, maybe they just make sure that they've got an excuse to pick up the phone to them every week before they started. So there's the pre-boarding, there's the onboarding. Don't bring someone in on the first day and get them sitting there twiddling their thumbs. So make sure you've got the hygiene factors of laptops and logins, but also that you've been really intentional around what their first day looks like. And then you've got a clear plan for the first 30, 60, 90 days. So mm. like if I'm hiring you, I'm saying, right, on day one, I'm saying in one month's time, this is where I hope you are in terms of your understanding of our customers or your confidence in putting together a sales proposal, whatever the, the milestones are so that you understand those and you know what we're both working towards. And yeah. there's no guarantee you'll get there At the pace that we might have predicted on day one but at least we've got those review points in so that we don't get to the end of the three or six months probation and i'm saying to you mike it's not really working out and you're you're surprised by that so i think that that nurturing comes before day one but crucially in that first few days and those first couple of weeks that um um, that
0: makes that makes me think of two really important points again and it's this whole mindset behind it and it's people have got a choice of jobs so then more and more not working for you because they have to they're working for you because they want to which is really important because then it's like okay well we need to make sure that they want to be here, right and then the second one is people are really motivated to want to do a good job yeah and it blows my mind how many companies are struggling to keep their teams motivated and hold on to them because the system they've got doesn't allow their team to do a good job. And you're like, these people are leaving because they're frustrated because they can't do the good job they want to. to create great business. <laughs> and and it's like, it's be, again, it comes back to this. We're relying on these systems that were developed during a very different time. They still work. They're just inefficient. Like it does work to put on an, a, a job advert and just let people apply. It does work to do a crappy interview and then give it to the one that gets through. And it does work to put people into a system where they just do the task that minimum viable asset required of them and don't have any space for innovation. It works, but it's just not enjoyable for anybody. And it's inefficient. And that's the biggest problem with it. Really. If it didn't work, that would probably be better because companies would be like, right, we just got to fix this stuff. We just got to make the business great for everybody because otherwise we're going to collapse. But the problem is it's like, no, it does work. It's just inefficient. So we can get away with it and and not need to change it. But, but it could be so much better. (laughs) It could be so much better. Like your onboarding, if you made your onboarding process, just a little bit better, your retention and productivity and innovation you're going to get from these people could skyrocket.
1: Yeah, such that those first 90 days is such an important and I guess I get the the benefit of of seeing things from both perspectives. So from a, an employer and employee, you know, particularly if we've if we've hired somebody, we'll have check-ins with both the client and the candidate. And and of course they'll see things different ways, but sometimes that disconnect between how things were set up in terms of expectations through an interview process yeah. and how things have actually been delivered in those first few weeks is 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 really damning you know not necessarily from a deliberate act by the company but simply not paying the proper retain proper time and attention on such a crucial part in being able to not just hire well but starting retention from day one rather than worrying about it on the
0: day someone comes to resign so so for your for your talent model really nurture i mean i think we're always nurturing employees and team and and, and anybody in our lives ideally but I, I guess what you're really getting at with that is that for for your model nurture means that first kind of 90 days and then team retention is the nurturing after as such what do you think are the sorry i'm assuming that people can see you but they're listening to this so uh, you were nodding them which is why i carried on straight to the next point um what do you think are what do you think is a good summary of the of the key things that need to be with maybe without the detail just so like a simple mental model for the listeners what are the key things that need to be in place to make sure that that first 90 days is a, is a positive experience? You mentioned hygiene, like right equipment, um, yeah. actually having stuff to do. So get, having things to get stuck into from day one. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, I think the, the other thing I'd probably do, you know, if you've got the benefit of having hired other people, so if this isn't your first hire, mm-hmm. I would go and talk to those previous hires. Yeah. and I would ask them how the onboarding was. And the chances are that they'll they'll give you some nuggets that you you just wouldn't have seen. They'll yeah. say, um, you know, I remember talking to one of my team about it, and they said, John, you know, the, the team lunch was was really good. It would have been great if we could have done that a bit earlier. And that was one of the things that made us bring it in before someone's first day rather than at the end of their first week. It'd be great if we could do that every day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I might to work out a bit more, but it would be good. Yeah. I think um, you know, one of the things I've seen companies do really well. Is the the last hire? It takes some responsibility for onboarding the next hire. So if they've started in that first week and got to the end of the first week and been a bit confused as to is the etiquette to send an email to one of my colleagues or to drop them a message on Teams or pick up the phone, then as their boss, I would I would give them the answer to that question but I'll also encourage them to put it into our onboarding documentation. If they've got questions that haven't been answered by however I've onboarded them to make sure we've solved that problem for the next person, rather than have an onboarding document or process that was right three years ago, but now we're working more remotely or have a different team environment isn't relevant today, it should be a living, breathing document process that gets better each time you bring someone in. Yep. And even if they work out, that you learn from that and figure out what you could have done differently. So I think that's the other key part is that it's not a static process and it's not one person's responsibility. Maybe someone is accountable for the onboarding, but hopefully you've set it up so that it's a shared responsibility for the team because they all recognize the benefit in starting someone well.
0: So do you think all companies should do that regardless of size, have like a kind of, Mapped out process for each role and made sure that it's a shared responsibility that people keep up to
1: date. Yeah, I I, you know I think that it might seem overly formal in some cases, but you know simply maybe it's just a checklist. So we hired someone and course two last year, and it was the first hire made in a few months. So we got together the whole team and said, right, we're setting this person up for success. What should we do? What should we not do? And we ended up with a nine or ten points on a checklist. Yeah. That. Wasn't a 500 word document, no. but it was something that at the you know before the person started at the end of their first week, at the end of the month, it gave us a really easy thing to go back over as a team. Yeah, check whether we'd done what we intended to, or whether we'd fallen short on some areas. I think that's I think that's so important for the smaller and medium
0: business owners because we hear this like you know get this process in place, and then we go to this mental place where we're getting complex software and videos, and all, and, and and that's great, but that what it also does is it acts as a barrier to implementation. So, yeah. you know, you just said then, well, have a system in place. Now, what that's what's important now, now the complexity of that system isn't important. So, if that means it's a checklist, it's a checklist. Uh, as long as it's updated and everybody's got shared responsibility around it, that's that's more than effective. I mean, I remember very clearly, actually, uh, when I was in the British military, I trained as a, you, you train as a soldier and then you specialize into your specialization. So mine was intelligence. So I went, you, you do your three months of doing the basics of being a soldier and learning how to fire guns and um handle weapons and survive in the wild. And then once you've qualified as a soldier, you go and specialise. So I went and then spent six months to do intelligence training. And I remember um all of us get our kind of professional development folders and it basically was just a checklist. It was it was a piece of A4 paper that had been printed off by the um by the HR style department and it's like this is all the stuff you've got to get done in week one this is all the stuff you've got to get done and i remember it almost being like a kid like running around getting these things ticked off but it did it it kept it kept me busy it got me focused it made me network around the around the base and learn things um but yeah i mean it was effective but it was a piece of paper that you ticked off and somebody signed off at the end so if the british are if it's good enough for the british army <laughs> it's uh probably good enough to have a check sheet for your small and medium business as even even your tech startup right yeah agreed Cool. Okay, and then and then retention. I think, you know, is just. I love that you focus on that as a recruiter. Um, I think it's a no-brainer. You know, there's no point in trying to keep filling the bucket up if it's got holes in the bottom. So, we need to think about retention as well. But I think that kind of like beautifully circles right band ta- talent strategy because if you've got a decent talent strategy in place, that should help with retention. There's lots of stuff we do. Uh, you know, shameless plug there at Better Happy, which is all around making it a good place to work and, and, and retention. But yeah, I love, that. have you got any top tips on, on retention or top kind of like mental models that people should remember when they're thinking
1: about it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, hey, we could we could spend an hour on retention alone, I'm it, sure. Exa- That's exactly, yeah. About. Um, But one of the things we're useful to share, so we have done a few surveys over the last couple of years. Um, We get to see candidates that are exiting roles. And so, um, you know, we captured the data from 500 candidates and ask them, why did they leave that last job? And consistently over the reports we've done, the three things, uh, my own three C's actually, compensation so so money matters but that's never been the top thing that has caused people to leave in the surveys we've done or in a lot of the other similar research i've seen so you've got to get the money right but i think largely that's a hygiene factor and it's it's stakes so don't you know rely on underpaying people but don't need to be the best pair in the market all the time but the compensation and the other two things career progression and culture so on progression it doesn't need to be about consistently putting people up in terms of titles you know i think the simple way to look at it is how can i get this employee doing more of what they're good at and yep. what they enjoy and the first step in that is probably to ask them what do they enjoy doing and what do they yeah. think they're good yeah it's always it's always a simple answer isn't it this stuff <laughs> yeah indeed and and going back to the talent strategy if you've got an org chart that shows how the business is going to evolve yeah that can unlock some really powerful conversations to help with the career progression so you've got compensation career progression and then culture which you know i you know you've done so much content on which has been really valuable i think with regards to the culture there's so many different ways you can look at that but the i guess the, the key thing is to to make sure it's it's lived and it's consistent throughout yeah. the hiring process the entry process and then of course the way that you manage people and grasp and promote people within culture in particular The key things people cited as going wrong were a a lack of accountability, also a lack of clarity. And I think particularly for the businesses that we work with that might be 10 or 20 employees and then go through a growth phase and go to sort of 30 or 50 or 100 employees, the difference between those that um, recognize they're going through a shift and see their culture as evolving, not entirely changing, but needing Mm -hmm. to be updated and have ongoing conversations with the team versus those that assume because it was talked about when there was 10 people there it will automatically work when there's 100 people there yeah there's a risk that that starts to fall down and you know the, the theme throughout what we've talked about is the, the the cost of making a bad hire you know or, or losing good people and that's where they can really suffer from that so there's a lot to culture but that kind of ongoing reflections on it and engagement with the team is a big part of what creates an inclusive culture that's relevant to today rather than yesterday.
0: Yeah, and it that's it's great for my ego hearing that because <laughs> obviously, you know, there's a lot of crossover between what we do and um when you listed off those things and I was like I'm pretty confident I'll be able uh, that's what we'll talk about as in that's what we talk about about happy and and it is and you know, I I particularly like that you highlighted this piece around compensation because a lot of the businesses that that we work with they tend to be very caring business owners Is well they'll come to a company called better happy right and yeah. this means they're not super profit driven although obviously money is important and they're in business for a reason they're not these like hard-nosed it's you know we're going to make a 100 million in the next two years and anybody that gets in the way is going to get cut out of the way these tend to be very caring business owners so they so they so they make money and they pay people well but maybe not as much as you know that that new start thing over there and i like to communicate to them that it's, it's not a major issue as long as you're paying people enough and it's not crap pay it's 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 one factor right as long as, if they have to worry about money for working for you when they work for you that's an issue but if they don't have to worry about paying the bills and being able to go on holiday and feed feed themselves and have have a good time it almost doesn't matter after that it's it's um it's the other pieces that become really important that culture do they want to be there and also personal and professional development there's yeah. um there's maslow's hierarchy of needs i don't know if you've heard of that but at the bottom of that it's all about security and and safety and i think you know 100 years ago work fulfilled that for us that's all it did it's like right if i work i'm out of poverty because there's mass unemployment whereas as we move to the, the higher levels of the hierarchy of needs it's about a feeling of belonging a feeling of self-esteem and confidence and then ultimately it moves to self-actualization which is becoming the best version of myself and i think the businesses of the past just needed to appeal to the bottom two, which is give people pay and they'll, and they'll work for you. Whereas today the mindset of the employees more and more higher up, you want people that they want that sense of belonging and community. They want to feel like a sense of purpose. They want to develop themselves and feel a level of self-esteem, which comes through knowing that they're getting better and that they're doing a good job and ultimately want to become the best version of themselves. So you've got to have this environment where it's enjoyable to be part of and people are getting developed and getting looked after and feel like they're actually growing as people. And if you can do those things as well as pay people and provide the basics, I think I think you're onto a winner in any industry. Yeah, I agree. Well, this has been an absolute blast, as I knew it would be. Um, thank you so much. I think for our our listeners, we've got a really solid five-part plan there but a good overview in each one i mean again every time i talk to you i take loads of nuggets away i've, I've, I've run out of space in my paper to be honest to, to, to be scribbling things down but there's there's models there in each one of those areas but i think for me just talent just the tail part of talent just the talent strategy attracting locating and evaluating just that alone could be transformative in I mean, i mean i'm not saying ignore the nurture part but i just think so many business owners do nurture their staff they just stuck they just get stuck getting them in because they're relying on that old crappy strategy which is write a job advert put it on indeed scratch your head when they when they when the adverts don't start rolling in question your sanity start start telling yourself it's your business whereas the reality is that that model is just no longer fit for purpose right yeah I agree. mega well thank you for coming on I'm, i'm excited to get this edited and put out there if anybody wants to connect with alan and they should um connect with him on linkedin because he's really active on there he puts loads of good content out i know you're like basically famous on there you've got loads of followers um and then obviously through linkedin you can then find alan's other businesses and services if you want to or you can just reach out to him direct if you want to talk to him more he's uh, alan is a good friend of mine and he's super forthcoming He'll 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 help you out if you if you wanna have a chat with him. So um make sure you go and connect with him. And to do that, you go to LinkedIn and then simply put forward slash Alan Furley, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that'd probably work. we were chatting earlier. I've got the benefit of a of a name that's a bit more distinct than Mike Jones. Yeah, so. I'm like
0: I'm like forward slash Mike Jones twenty 27- seventeen. <laughs> something like yeah. that no i think i'm mike jones three actually which is pretty cool um is it a dash in between alan and furley I'm, i'll put it in the notes anyway so uh you yeah, just definitely. click below but if you're listening and you just want to mentally remember that alan furley al
1: at the end correct yeah you should be able to help me out relatively easily and yeah pretty active on linkedin like you mentioned do linkedin live some that are geared around candidates helping them with job hunting um but also on the the employer side of things share some of the stuff that i've talked about today so um yeah drop me a message or, or look out for some of the content that's hopefully valuable in some way
0: fountain of knowledge and giving away loads of stuff for free so you'd be mad not to connect with him brilliant thank you so much alan um have a fantastic weekend and uh yeah thank you can't can't express my gratitude enough for you doing this podcast awesome really enjoyed it thanks mate. <laughs>